Hi, I'm Yushuan Su. And I'm Connor Campbell. You're listening to Into the Unknown. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. This week, uh, it is just myself and Yushuan. So... We're going to get into a, a fairly heavy topic today, um, and very heavy, very it's pretty, heavy. And I feel like it's pretty close to home for not just the two of us, but also to probably quite a lot of people uh, who are listening, whether they've um, identified that they have it or whether they've identified maybe someone that they know has it. Makes it sound like we're talking about an STI or something, but uh, what we are talking no, we're about not, it's not it's nothing medical it's not covid <laughs> so don't stress yeah um so what we're going to tackle today is uh, a phenomenon known as imposter syndrome now i came about this myself personally a few years ago being in uh, the s&c world there's a lot of stuff out there that makes you kind of sit back and think think well should I really know that should I really be you know doing more um and so for me it's always been kind of in the back of my mind as to what is this um how do I identify it uh how many people actually um suffer from imposter syndrome because when I first you know when I first um realized what I thought this was uh, obviously it's self-diagnosed it's not like a medical condition like you Sean, just said um i mean you it's... can try going to your gp i've not done that <laughs> hello, hello i have sir. imposter syndrome i think i'm an imposter <laughs> he might probably say to you don't worry i have too um wow you know but wow. i think that kind of exemplifies that how how many people probably suffer from this in in one form or another so before we kind of get into the podcast, I want to do a very quick, um, for those that maybe don't know or they think they have it and they're not too sure, um, I'll, I'll do a very, very quick, um, essentially, what is imposter syndrome? And don't worry, I'm not using Wikipedia for this. Um, and I will be referencing a book before we start. Uh, it's called The Imposter Cure, and it's written by Dr. Jessamy Hibbard. Um I would highly, highly recommend that you pick this book up either before or after you listen to this podcast. It's probably going to be after because otherwise you wouldn't know what the book is unless you're telepathic. Well, this, um, is, this is good to be fair because I've not read the book. So yeah, and I think um, summary of it. Yeah, exactly. And I, I won't. I, I, I'm not going to read straight off the book because otherwise, obviously, you could go and buy the book. Like the resources there, and and I'm not. A, a doctor in psychology so i wouldn't be able to do it justice so first of all what is imposter syndrome um and essentially it refers to an internal experience of thinking that you're not good enough that you're not competent as uh as competent as others maybe perceive you to be um now obviously that description as a whole could have internal and external circumstances as to whether it's either implied to your intelligence, whether it's implied to maybe things that you've achieved in the past and and the future and the future, um, so failures and successes. Um, and I also think that it's it's very much linked to perfectionism and um, to also, like I mentioned, so a social context. So 
how people, how you think people judge you versus how they actually perceive you. Um, I know that is a very long winded uh, sort of explanation of what imposter syndrome uh, is. So put it this way, very simply, imposter syndrome is essentially the experience of feeling like a phony, feeling like a fraud um, is probably the simplest way to put it. So before we get into anything else, what do you think about what I've just said, you see? Well, yeah, it's a big one, man. I mean, <laughs> to basically, you know, what, what I'm getting from it is that it's the feeling of, of thinking that thinking you're a fake, thinking mm. you, you don't belong sort of in the kind of standing that, that, that people see you in, or you feel like you don't deserve the praise and recognition that you might be getting. Yeah. And you think that you're kind of just faking it or, or that everything that you're doing is, is by is is through luck and everything you've achieved mm. has, has been through luck rather than anything else and anything that you've done and, or, or you've put in um am I, am I right in thinking that yeah i agree and actually you you did mention um you know faking it and and i i personally believe that faking it till you make it is not necessarily a bad thing um yeah for and, sure and i think sure. it's not necessarily uh you know that I'd say there's always kind of positives and negatives to certain things. And, and by someone saying, Oh, you know, just fake it till you make it. There is a lot of truth in that because there's ultimately going to, there's going to become an experience or something that happens in your life that you've never had a chance to deal with. And so there is always going to be that element of, I've got no clue what I'm supposed to do in this, you know, in this time period right now. So that is an element of faking it until you make it. Yeah, I mean, you for know. me personally, I, I, I don't know about you, but I think, you know, growing up, we always think, oh, the adults, quote, mm. unquote, have it all sort of, they've all got their shit together and they're all, you know, doing their jobs. They know what they're doing. They're professionals. And then, you know, the older we get or the older I get and this sort of, more exposure I have to different professional worlds and, and um, you know, meeting people in different positions and a lot of times positions of power within, yeah. within certain management and stuff like that. I realized that like no one's really got their shit together. No. And to an extent, we're all kind of faking it till we make it in yeah. one way or another. Um, but I, I wonder if you, if you agree, but I, I kind of think that imposter syndrome the way that i guess we've sort of defined it isn't you know it's probably something that most people experience to one degree or another mm -hmm. you know uh, or or if i'm i don't know if i'm if i'm projecting but because from my personal experience like i've always i've always felt sort of i guess not good enough or, or mm. felt that I don't, I'm not as good as, as one that I think I should be, or I could be, or maybe what other people see me as. Mm -hmm. And I, I, that was kind of, I guess, just normalized for me. I didn't realize that it was a, it was a thing. Um, mm. So I, I thought it was just everyone had this. Um, but you know, that I probably didn't realize that, that I, I was feeling like a, a an imposter you know quote unquote mm -hmm. um in the 
you know, growing up and ever since, ever since um, being at school and, and ever since I was competing in sports and also, you know, going to uni and stuff like that, I guess I always thought in the back of my head that what I've achieved have been out of luck. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember quite vividly, like doing my uni applications and thinking that, uh, you know, I, I'm probably, I'm probably not going to get anything um or i'm gonna fake it till i make it or going mm-hmm. back to that i'm gonna yeah. write a really good personal statement and you know get good references and then just make a really good product and and, and see where it takes me yeah. and then i started getting offers you know i started getting offers from uh good unis like edinburgh and york and obviously kings that i ended up going to and i was like nah that's just lucky man mm-hmm. um and the same with with my sport the same with the riding you know getting on to being selected for teams or um qualifying for championships and then and then certain results that i've got obviously luck plays a massive role in it yeah but i think i've not really noticed it before you and i spoke about it but i think maybe it's a kind of denial on my side that it was anything other than luck that it was because mm. luck plays a role in all these things don't get me wrong luck you know and access to opportunities um and things like that but at the end of the day like it's me um taking those opportunities and making the most out of them it's yeah. me still having to put the work in in order to make the most out of those opportunities and fulfill the potential within them mm-hmm. um and i think that's the bit that goes that, that goes missing that I forget about mm. and that's yeah for me that's what my imposter syndrome is there's a lot to unpack there a yeah, lot <laughs> and, I, and but actually it's good because I think first and foremost the last thing that you mentioned which I personally think for me has been the absolute key to um I wouldn't necessarily say overcoming uh imposter syndrome but certainly um, putting it at bay um, and perhaps minimizing the uh, impact that it has potentially on your successes in the future. Um, and I guess ultimately to a degree, your happiness as well, because a lot of your happiness does come from your successes, whether that be internally or externally, you know, the friends that you hang around with, sometimes you might feel inadequate that they are doing a lot better than you. It's super normal to feel like that. And actually going on to the second point, Uh, you know, you mentioned that you thought you were projecting, but after reading the book, I did a little bit more research and uh, there's a, uh, I forget the, the, the what the journal was called, but it was something to do with like statistics in mental disorders or or something along those lines. I'll try and find it and and put it in the link, but it's actually not uncommon um, for people to suffer with imposter syndrome at least once in their life. And actually the statistic was 70% of people in their life will will um experience this phenomenon like 70 percent of the world that's billions of people yeah yeah. you know and and so to think that you you are alone in this you're certainly not alone you know it's the same with everything with people that maybe go through um anxiety or through depression and i'm not saying that they are inextricably linked but certainly if left unchecked, it could potentially worsen your anxiety and, 
and it could potentially lead to um, depression or social anxiety disorder. And it's something that, you know, uh, Jessamy Hibbard talks about in here. And I know that I keep referencing back to this, but uh, it's just such a good resource. Um, I just think it's, it's absolutely crazy to think in context how many people, you know, suffer from this. They just don't end up telling anybody. I must um, say, like, I, I'm probably, I'm not surprised hearing that statistic yeah. um, because I think you've kind of, you've been alluding to it, but it might not always be a bad thing um, yeah. in the sense that, or, or it might not be a thing in itself. Like it's kind of, it could be sort of the way I see it, a byproduct of something else. And, and you know, like, you know what the Dunning-Kruger effect is where, yeah. um, you know, you to start off when you first start doing something you think you know everything yeah. and then the more you learn the more you realize you don't know shit and your confidence level about that thing drops and, and I think that's really prevalent here and it, it's um it, it links back to you know you were talking about yourself as an SNC coach and mm. you now have have a, a, a business um, coaching people and you have a massive client base of really accomplished um, athletes uh, in different sports all coming to you for SNC knowledge now I think if it, it's pretty safe to say for me that you have sort of significantly more SNC knowledge than someone who has started lifting in the gym for six months and think that they can be a PT but I think it's also pretty safe to say that that guy who's been lifting for a couple of months and says that he's a PT on Instagram and he's starting to sell programs to people and things like that, like he's probably a lot more confident about his programming than you are. Mm. Yeah. And uh, that is, uh, that's, you know, and that I can say the same for, for myself, you know, and, and in my sport, I can say with a lot of certainty that, the more I learn and the more that I, mm -hmm. I pick Absolutely. up from other people and the more experiences I've had in different competitions, the more I listen to how different people train and train their horses and work with their horses, the more I'm exposed to different mm -hmm. methods, the more I realize like, wow, like I really don't know anything. Like there's still so much out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, I think for me personally, um, the feelings of, you know, being a fake, being an imposter, this imposter syndrome, a lot of it comes from um, one, you know, like, like I was saying, um, realizing there was, there is a lot that I don't know. And that's only natural. But then also, I guess, having really high expectations of myself. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not sure if you'd agree with it in your situation or not. But, you know, I've always been one to set really high goals for myself and and expect to to achieve those goals and work towards mm -hmm. them and quite often they're they're quite unrealistic goals yeah you know if yeah in the sense that not that they're not attainable but they're unrealistic in the sort of time frame that i'm and the pressure that i'm putting on myself either consciously or unconsciously you know wanting to go to olympics you know wanting to do my phd things like that it's not that i can't attain them but it's that they're not necessarily goals they're like my dreams and you know the more expectation i have of 
getting those things now, getting them straight away, it, it tends to make me feel, I guess, a bit inadequate or not enough. Um, and that fuels this kind of feeling of, of being a fake and I've not achieved those things. Therefore, I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not who they think I am. It is certainly a, a vicious cycle when, when you start to think, uh, you know, you set yourself a big challenge or a goal and then you kind of doubt yourself and, you know, maybe you fall short or, or, or something happens and then you start to think, oh, uh, and it kind of goes full circle on you set this big goal, you maybe fall short um, or t- it could be two sides of the coin. You know, let's let's imagine like a Venn diagram where you have uh, a, a big goal. And you have two sides to it. Number one is you fall short, and that could have a cascade of a, of a plethora of different um, results. The second side could be you achieve it, but then you you doubt yourself. You're berating your own performance, and again, that leads to another cascade of of events that could potentially happen. So it is a two sided coin that actually some of the characteristics of uh, imposter syndrome comes to berating your own performance but then at the same time it could also mean um not wanting to do anything because you doubt yourself too much um you know and you don't want to fall too short perhaps um you know you think you have an inability to assess your competencies or your skills maybe you're like like you mentioned earlier you're attributed to your successes to fluke or to luck or i was just in the right place at the right time you know external factors you know but so what does that what does that mean sorry yeah so yeah what i was just wondering like what does that mean for you like you know how Mm. how does it affect you and how is it how does it play a role in your in connor's brain yeah i mean the first thing actually that i was kind of alluding to was you know you mentioned that the more you the more you know the less you think you know whereas the less you know the more you think you know you know and it's the Dunning-Kruger effect like you you know you mentioned not five minutes earlier that it gets to this point in your career where you know you are and I'm not trying to blow smoke up my own ass but you're with the big boys you know you're you're coaching people who need um very small adjustments in their training or perhaps they need very specific things to continue to make them better and yes i'm not saying that the basics should should fall to the wayside but it's slightly different when you first start training someone and literally just getting them on a barbell and getting them stronger helps you know it gets Mm, to that point in in an athlete's career and in your career when coaching them that that no longer becomes the thing that makes them the best the thing that improves them and so it's that it's that it's almost like a fear that you're going to get to that point with an athlete and not know what the fuck to do next. Mm. And it happens all the time. And I can't tell you how many times I've had that over the last couple of years where, you know, I've, I've had the same, same with you. And, and I'm, I'm not afraid to admit, admit that, like, you know, there's been times where I've been thinking, fuck, are we, are we doing the right thing? Um, you know, and if I was say less experienced, it wouldn't matter because I wouldn't know the difference. I wouldn't know the difference, but the difference is I now do know the difference because I know what works and I know what maybe hasn't worked in the past, but that doesn't necessarily mean that 
that thing that is working is going to work. You know, like I said, it is yeah, a vicious cycle. In it and exactly. Um, bits and pieces that you need to plug and yeah, and which, which you wouldn't be aware of when precisely. you don't have that knowledge. Yeah, precisely. Sure. And to kind of throw a caveat in that as well is I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, I go about my coaching career and I'm always fearing like, oh, fuck, what am I going to do next? You know, because... <laughs> It, like ultimately, you know, obviously I do have people's kind of livelihoods in, in my hands. If I, if I injure them or if, you know, when I'm making the weaker or for whatever reason, then, you know, I guess that is, is sort of uh, a failure in itself. But at the end of the day, you know, we alluded to this a couple of podcasts ago where failure is not necessarily, um, you know, falling short of something. It's, it's giving up and, and not using that experience to learn from that mistake, from that failure. Um, and you know, that, that's kind of just, just, just one, uh, very small example of one of the things that, that I battle with, you know, yeah, fairly, but I think that's fairly so, regularly. That's so interesting. And, and I can definitely relate to that. Like, say, say with my riding, mm. um, you know, I can, I can say for sure that at the start of start of my career, you know, when I first started um, competing in the UK, sort of in eventing and, and trying to compete internationally and stuff like that, I was like, this shit's easy. You know, I was like, I've got this down. I've, I've nailed it. And, and it didn't probably didn't help that the first year I had very good results. And, and if beginner's luck is metaphysically a real thing or not, I don't know. But like that year, you know, I went to my, I had one chance to qualify for the Asian Championships and it was my first international competition, that qualifier. And I qualified like both the horses I took. And then I went to the Asian Championships, which is my first championship as a senior rider. And I won a medal. And I was like, what's, what's the big deal, guys? Like, this is, a, this is a piece of piss. But then since then, I've learned that it's not and that there's so much more to it and not only that like I've, I've experienced myself the ups and downs but also seen a lot of seen the world like seen how different people do it differently you know mm -hmm. some things that might benefit me and not others and vice versa and yeah it's i relate to that it's just the sort of learning more and more and the nuances within it makes you realize how much there is out there and the second part of what you said that I thought was really interesting actually was, you know, in some ways it might, it might be driving you to get better, mm -hmm. you know, cause you can get that, that um, feeling of being an imposter and, and going like, Oh shit, like what, what do I do now? There's, there's, you know, am I going to succeed in this? And you could either withdraw and give up or, or, you know, get onto get onto the books like read about read more yeah. about the thing and and learn more about it and and find more knowledge so yeah. that you do understand more yeah. um and but i just wanted to to tie back to what you said earlier at the at the start sort of there being both internal and external factors mm -hmm. to to feeling like an imposter and this imposter syndrome because i think we've spoken mainly about about the internal you know mm. our own expectations of ourselves our own feelings of doubt and realizing that 
we don't know enough and you know what plato wrote all those years ago what i know is i know nothing you know that's so relevant today and and poignant in this but i feel like there's also a big external factor that affects you and myself and, and a lot of people i think the imposter syndrome might be for me sort of exacerbated by by seeing other people's achievements um you know seeing seeing other people do well at competitions all the time or seeing Mm. my friends it it could be like seeing seeing you getting engaged in a very good relationship and and you know my friends landing some really sick jobs or doing a phd and i'm like well i'm not i'm not doing any of those things like i'm not adequate and just another brief point as well i think is that that's really fueled as well by by things like social media um where you know people are putting literally their highlight reels on facebook and on instagram just just listing out their achievements and that's all you're seeing and i think when when i see that and i see people people winning competitions week in week out and that's all i'm seeing you know it it does make me doubt myself a little bit and make me feel like i'm not doing enough or i'm not achieving enough and it, it takes a bit of time and perspective to sort of pull myself out of that and realize like hey like you know these people are are people as well like what you're seeing isn't an accurate representation of of their lives yeah i mean it's like i said back in the podcast in the podcast about social media is that social media is a snapshot of their life it's not you know you have no idea what's happened before or, or what will happen directly after that that post or that reel or that story um, it only gives you a very small look at, at what what they're currently doing. And one one quick point that I, I want to make, and I want to kind of get your thoughts on this, is do you think that the prevalence of imposter syndrome has come from the fact that sometimes people, one, they don't know how to internalize their experience of success. So they have to share it with everybody else. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You know, I think... It, in in some respects it's it's good that you feel comfortable enough to you know like i said to you in private i was like dude i'm fucking ecstatic that i've made it to the to the olympic level mm, yeah. you know like i was so um and and that's ex- external success and and it was only really after the podcast that we spoke about you know being there and it was only after that i really thought that to myself, I've internalized that experience, like of my success. I don't need to tell anybody else now mm. because I'm happy with what I had, I had achieved. Mm. Uh, um, and I, I don't know kind of where, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I just feel like a lot of the times this can be fueled by the fact that people feel like they have to externalize their success to get validation rather than just going you know i'm happy i don't need to tell anybody yeah for sure you know? i mean I, that's so interesting like we've we've not compared notes and um, no. but that's literally what i wrote down um, <laughs> is it <laughs> because i can say for myself that is is massively the case mm. you know i and what i what i wrote down or what i noted down for something that we could bring up is that it probably manifests in different ways for, for, for both of us. Yeah, and for sure. Like you say, you, you found that you were able to, to internalize your success, internalize 
that success and that experience of going to the Olympics and, you know, coaching an Olympic athlete to that level, being there with her um, in a way in which you are happy in yourself, you're happy with that achievement and you're content and you don't feel the need to go around telling everyone. And that's amazing. Like I can, so I can only imagine what that feels like because, um, you know, part of, part of my, I guess, imposter syndrome or whatever you want to call it is like, I often feel the need or the want to, to prove to people that, that I am good enough or prove yeah. to people that I am worthy of these achievements and probably prove to myself in the process. Um, and that's, that's, I've not really thought of it that way, but the way that you put it, maybe it is down to the fact that I'm not completely happy and secure within myself about those achievements, which mm. is why, you know, when I get a really good result in a competition, Oh, I'm on it. Like I'm telling everyone about mm. it. I'm making sure everyone knows. I'm making sure like what level I rode at, you know, the placing and, and how difficult it was and that sort of thing. Um, and that can obviously be perceived as sort of, of showing off or me mm. having a big ego, but actually it probably comes from a place of more like insecurity or, or sort of low self-esteem or whatever it is that's driving the feeling of me you know achieving and attaining certain things but not not feeling good enough about it in myself and feeling wanting to feel better about it by other people telling me that I've done a good job or the other people recognizing these achievements and the feeling of wanting to prove that to other people and, and show them that I've done this. And, and I guess, yeah, show myself. Mm. I, don't, I mean, I, I think you should give yourself credit where credit is due because it's not necessarily a bad thing that you want to share or externalize, you know, the success that you've had. And I think um, to kind of counter what I've said, one of the biggest things for me that, I, that has really helped me and, and obviously, you know, I'm not saying that I've perfected this. Like, of course I haven't. Like I have this, you know, in, in some respects, sometimes weekly, monthly, it could just be stupid things. Um, but for me, the biggest thing is a, when, you know, like say for you, for example, if you share with me something that you are significantly proud of beforehand, I would be, you know, obviously very happy. Um, you know, I'd say to you, oh, that's fantastic. Like, congratulations and so on and so forth. And then there would be that thought in my head where it would be like, I don't feel very successful now. Like, maybe I should really? be doing something else with my life, you know. And that's obviously just an example. But one of the things that I've really tried to do is, is be more empathetic in that when somebody tells me a, like something that they have been successful with, I really like try and just feel what it's like to be in their shoes, to mm. feel what it's like to, to, to share that success. Mm. And it almost is like, you know, you are then sharing it in their success. Um, yeah. Yeah, it almost sure. feels like their success is also your success in a way, yeah. you know, because although you maybe had no part at all or a small part or a large part doesn't matter. What matters is that, you have seen how happy and successful they are. And 
for you to be able and I don't do this with everybody you know it's it can be very difficult with with to 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 do that some people find it super easy to be empathetic I don't I really struggle to be empathetic and also actually I'm not really (laughs) I'm not really a sympathetic person it's not that I don't care about people's feelings at all it's just I've I have always struggled to be somewhat sympathetic to you know maybe someone didn't do this or that and I'm kind of just like oh well you're all right just you know maybe try a bit harder (laughs) next time you know sometimes but to to kind of learn that empathy and and be able to internalize their success has been huge for me to to realize that it's not just about you you know you being successful it's about everyone around you being successful as well Mm. and being okay with that being comfortable with other people who are close with being successful alongside you because ultimately it you know if it helps you as a practitioner if if you guys weren't as successful athletes i would be nowhere really Mm. you know so it's learning how to also live in that person's shoes and to live in their success and, and be comfortable with that. That's and such that's, an interesting point, man. Yeah. And no. it's not, so, it's not something that you can just think of, Oh yeah, it's easy. Oh, I'll do that. You know, well, yeah. well done. You know, I'm so happy for you. Sometimes it's like that. You know, do it you takes think a that lot comes of... from a bit of a place of like jealousy, not that mm. not necessarily in a conscious way, but you know, you see, other people doing things and you go like oh like why why can't i do those or why can't i have those because i know that for sure that i've that that point actually is something that i've come to to realize about myself and i've i've tried to make a conscious effort to do um and that can be especially hard when you're in a competitive environment or a competitive uh atmosphere and in uh, and in a in a world where you are comparing results and competing against each other and stuff like that and i see you know other riders or or you know my hong kong teammates and stuff like that get better results than i have and and they're happy about it and they tell me and and you know i'm in a place now where i'm like yeah that's good like I, i'm genuinely mm. happy for them um and i think that's come through a realization of sort of you know their them getting a piece of the pie doesn't affect me getting a piece of the pie Mm -hmm. like i can still all i can do is do everything in my control to to better myself and get the best results i can and be happy about that and if they're happy about their results then i should be happy for them as well and and that not only that that fuels me to to better myself, to, mm-hmm. to get better and to, to try to have that competition. Um, the same with, you know, being a uni when people got a better grade than me, I'm like, well, that's something that, that we can collaborate. Like that's someone that knows more than I do or yeah. knows certain things Absolutely. more than I do that I can pick their brains on. And yeah, I mean that, so that's for me, a kind of a journey of, of realizing that and realizing that, everyone's on their own own paths and their own stories and you know sometimes we cross paths and sometimes not but we can always be be happy and celebrate other people's successes with them Mm, um absolutely but yeah like what would you what are what are things that you would maybe do or or 
or some methods to try to manage these these feelings of of, of feeling like an imposter and things like that i think uh like most things when it comes to maybe losing weight or when it comes to starting a new habit um you know even when it comes to maybe admitting to yourself that this this has been or or is an issue um it's coming to terms with or at least accepting that you know maybe you you do struggle and you know you um you're accepting that this this is a big part of you and and uh i know that that's one of the things that that um when I first started going through therapy a few years back, uh, one of the biggest questions that my therapist asked me was, well, actually it was three questions. It was, um, number one, do I believe myself as worthy? Number two, what are the core beliefs that I hold about myself? Something that is unfaltering, something that will never change regardless of what people perceive about me or whether I identify that I have a specific mental health disorder or imposter syndrome or whatever it may be. And number three, which for me was the biggest thing. And I want to get into kind of the types later, which is, do I have to be um, perfect for others to approve of me? Um, And coming back to the thing that I made, coming back to the point that I made first was accepting uh, acceptance is the first step you know, acceptance is um, on the path to saying that you are okay to be like this. And it's not a bad thing. Um, It's almost flipping the tables on it and saying, actually, can I use this to my advantage? You probably can if if you think about it in a different perspective. Um, So to kind of take something away, I guess before before we move on to the next thing as well is uh you know identifying not so much the symptoms but like maybe just identifying that you have it um I'm going to reference the book again and I wrote yeah, down on, I wrote down five five kind of questions to ask yourself just to kind of figure out if it is something that that if it is this or if it's something else uh the first one would be uh do you agonize um or even uh, do you agonize over the smallest mistakes, essentially? Um, second one would be, do you attribute your success um, to luck or outside factors, which we've spoken about in, uh, you know, about 10, 15 minutes ago. Next one is, uh, which I think is really important, is how sensitive are you to constructive criticism? Because if you can't take constructive criticism, then that might be, a sign of of having imposter syndrome that you think you're perfect and you don't need to change anything but realize that no one's perfect no one has the answer um the fourth one would be do you feel you're like you're a phony obviously that's probably the the easiest one to figure out you probably have imposter syndrome and then the last <laughs> one which i know you do a lot is downplaying your your expertise or your achievements mm. you know in the hope that people accept you because like we've said sometimes jealousy plays a big part in that and i feel like sometimes downplaying your expertise like oh no i was just in the right place at the right time or 
oh, you know, the interviewer, maybe they were just having a bad day or maybe they just caught me on a good day. And I think downplaying your expertise, obviously you don't want to fuel your ego too much, but gen- you might be genuinely more skilled than other people are. And to accept that is a hard thing, you know, especially if your ego is, uh, you know, you don't have a big ego, you know, you kind of, you kind of just want to go under the radar a little bit and just not be noticed. Um, though, yeah, I mean, those sort of five things really, which Jessamy Hibbard talks about in the book is sort of the the ways that you can kind of identify whether it's something that you could be struggling with. Mm. Um, and I don't know whether that's something that you've kind of asked yourself or whether you've noticed is, you know, I know for you that sometimes you do downplay your achievements and, for me, like, like I just alluded to, there's certain people where they'll tell me their achievements and I now feel genuinely, you know, I feel like their success is now mine and it's such a nice feeling to have. Um, and I'm not saying I, I can do it with everybody because it takes time and it also takes a good relationship with that person. Yeah. You know, it's, you, you can, it's, it's inevitably you're not going to be able to be empathetic with everybody. Yeah. No, um, that's, I, that's super interesting, man. Um, um yeah uh think, yeah you, you know i to, to answer your question like that is something that, that I've, I've thought about and but it's i'd say it's taken me a really long time to realize what i was doing in my head and how you know things like you say that man things the ways in which it manifests in things like social interactions where, where i downplay my achievements or I go or go the other way like I I really make it a point to make sure that everyone sees um the last competition that I did well in where Mm. it's like chill man like um people know you're good (laughs) but you know and I I bring bring up my conversations my psychologist a lot but you know there was there was one time where we were kind of talking about this and the fact that you know, I don't feel, I was just kind of telling him that I, I don't feel always that comfortable. It doesn't sit right with me. The fact that a lot of what I've achieved has been just down to luck and being in the right place at the right time and, and getting these opportunities that other people don't get. And he was like, hold on a minute. Like, are you telling me that if, if he was, if he, if, you know, him as a psychologist said, if, he got all the same opportunities to do the same things, to, to get the same horses and get the same support to ride at these competitions, blah, blah, that he would get the same result. And that made me realize like, yeah, probably not. Like, yeah, those things all play a role. They're all factors in these achievements and these successes. But there is also the fact that it is me who's doing those things Mm. it's you know me going in with my sort of values of of putting 100 percent into it working hard and and being open to learning and and developing myself and putting in the work and also having the prior sort of expertise or, or knowledge or experience in that thing going in to begin with and I think all of those things come together to, to make me who I am and make me do what I do. And so 
I quite often have to remind myself like, yeah, it isn't just luck. It, it, it's partially luck. It's partially the opportunities and being at the right place at the right time. But, you know, that's kind of what I tell myself. I'm like, well, if you're getting these opportunities, if you're feeling that momentum and you're feeling like luck is on your side today, just roll with it, man. Like take those, take those gifts take those opportunities and make the most out of them because that's what i as a person and me being myself that's the only thing i can do mm. and you know if doing those things makes me successful and allows me to achieve the things that i want and allows me to to feel happy about it then then that's only a good thing like you know that's yeah. when you know we were sort of alluding to using it to your advantage and, and that's kind of what i try to wake up and take with me every day yeah and actually you mentioned a very good point which you know obviously we're just talking about kind of how this affects us or you know maybe what some of the characteristics are and um sort of how we define imposter syndrome but one of the biggest tips is reflecting and um i can't tell you enough how how much since I got into the practice of stoicism um, that reflection and journaling is such an important part of learning as a human, it's almost like revising for an exam. You know, if there's something that you don't know, you go over it. And if you do it again and you don't know it, you go over it again, you know, and maybe in a couple of weeks time, Oh shit, I've forgotten that you come back and you review your notes. You know, it's the, it's the same thing in life. There's going to be things that happen and, there's going to be certain circumstances that you cannot deal with, you know, like that. And, and, oh, the Stoics always do this. Well, that's fucking great. But you know what? The Stoics didn't live in the 21st century. They didn't <laughs> the have Stoics social didn't have Instagram. Yeah. They didn't have social media. They didn't have all of this information. Yeah. And, you know, so I think context is important that it has to be, contextually applied to everyday life now in terms of the amount of things that we have going on in our life and how we have to balance you know uh relationships or money or life um because ultimately it would be great if you could run off to a sunny greek island and set up a a stoa and not have to pay your way but unfortunately in a capitalist environment money is everything and so for money to be to be everything, it's important that you almost apply that you have this. Uh, what's what am I trying to say? Basically, it's important that you you are able to contextualize that and and reflect on what is important to you at this given time yeah, in this given yeah. century as well. No, um, I think that's brilliant, man. I think uh, and that you reminded me of that today, this morning, actually, of of reflection and, and looking mm. back at, at what I've done and, and how I've gotten to where I am. And, and yeah, tools like journaling and things like that is just of such a good way, I find, to, to take time and, and to reflect because that's not something that, personally, not something that I naturally am very good at doing. I'll have mm. to make it a point to do it and you know and yeah i will go back going back to talking with my psychologist and at the start of each session he'd ask me like you know how i'm doing or, or what what i've been up to and 
I just remember this one time I was like, oh man, like I, I just come back from a really good competition. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the best results I had. It was quite a big international competition. I was like, yeah, so I did this and it went well. But then on Tuesday I had a, 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 a training session that didn't go that well and nothing was clicking. And I was just, I was just feeling pretty shit about it. And he was like, but, uh, but then, you know, I went away and thought about it and, and broke down all the bits that wasn't going that well. Um, so I tried to apply it the next day and he was just like, just wait a second, just give yourself just a little bit of praise for Absolutely. the competition. And then being at a place where you're able to recognize, you know, that you're in a training session that isn't going well and you're not in the best frame of mind then being able to step away from that and look at it objectively, break it down and then try to get better. And yeah, like those are the things that I probably don't give myself enough credit for, you know, that lead mm-hmm. to this kind of lack of, lack of self-belief, a lack of, um, yeah, feeling like, like I'm, I'm doing enough or I'm, I'm achieving enough. I don't know if, you, if that resonates with you or... Yeah. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Like, I think uh, for, for me, going back to some of the things that we said about internalizing your success and also being okay with other people externalizing theirs, the biggest part to play in that has been reflective practice in writing things down. And actually, if someone tells me, you know, something, I'll write that down as well and how it affected me because it's, it's I didn't think that it would affect me. But actually, it does, you know, when you work in an industry like this and and just, I guess, in everyday life, like being OK with other people's successes and adding that into your life as well to, to kind of um, break it down and, and figure out how does that make you feel? You know, being open and honest with yourself um, is not a bad thing. It, it's, it's fucking scary. It can be scary. You know, like it doesn't seem like it would be a scary thing, but being honest with yourself about how you feel, even if it's not a good thing, even if it's like, oh, you Sean told me that he did a really good competition today and, you know, he did this. But to be honest with you, I'm a bit fucking jealous of him. You know, like that's not a bad thing to say that, you know, because it's a it's it's a learning experience. Putting that down can make you figure out a starting point to go. How do I not feel like this? Is there a reason that I feel like this? You know, do I need to then say that to that person? You know, uh, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure you wouldn't be like, can you please stop staring or sharing your uh, success with me because it's making me feel like shit. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but it's ultimately learning from that reflective practice, how you can then take that into everyday life. And the more you practice that, the better you get at it, Mm. you know? Yeah, 100%. And I I think, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's really good. a, A way, a way to sort of, finish in, in that it's something that hopefully you guys the listeners can take away from our experiences and what we've kind of shared with you in that you know it's always important to remember to to reflect on on what you've done reflect on what you've achieved but also who you are as a person like how do you define yourself what are your values and to live by that and you know, to also give yourself a bit of a reality check once in a while, you know, it's probably, you're probably feeling like you don't know anything because you know a bit more than you did yesterday. 
and you've realized that the world's a bit bigger than you than you first realized and so it's just that for me at least that awareness and that constant dialogue with yourself is really important and it's one of the things that's really helped me um over the years and uh just to finish off uh, my part, actually, I want to reference uh, you Fran, back a couple of podcasts ago, which is feel the feels. You know, if you have a feeling, don't let it fight you. Um, you know, a feeling is not um, an emotion and a feeling is not indicative of the situation that's at hand. You know, it's just a chemical reaction. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to learn and accept that um, and to be able to figure out you know, like I said, in the reflective practice, how can you be okay with that, be content with feeling uh, like that and, and getting knowledge from that, and not letting that hold you back? Um, yeah, love it. The other thing I'd say as well, just, and I say that I've said this a lot to, to a, a lot of people recently, is have a bit of fucking self-belief. Like, you're not as bad as you think like Jesus, you know, honestly. And I say this, I say this in the nicest way possible. Like you are good enough. Like you are, it's okay to not feel like you're not going to be the best at something. Don't worry about it. Cause trust me, I do all the time. Mm. And sometimes I just have to remind myself of what I have achieved so far that you will get there one day take it step by step and realize that you're good enough right now. You know, that's, I think that's probably where I'd, I'd end it. Well, you heard it first here, guys, you're good enough. And also <laughs> we're good enough. So you should keep listening to our podcast. So <laughs> exactly. on that note, we'll see you, uh, see you next time. Catch you soon. So Yushwag, do you want to plug where people can find you? Yeah, so on Instagram, I am at yushuan.su.eventing. On Facebook, I am yushuan.su.eventing. And my website is suyushuaneventing.com. What about you, Connor? Mine is at Connor Lift Stuff on Instagram and at Stoic Strength Systems on Instagram. And we was also just set up a Patreon under the same name, Stoic Strength Systems. So give those a follow. I will put the links all down in the description if I figure out how to do it. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the podcast on wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'll see you next